Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Make a career of humanity. Commit yourself to the noble struggle for equal rights. You will make a better person of yourself, a greater nation, of your country, and a finer world to live in. Those were the words of Dr. Martin Luther King when he addressed the Youth March for Integrated Schools in Washington, D.C. Those are truly some pretty noble words. The question is, how can you make a career of humanity? Uh, My next guest uh, has some serious ideas about that. Uh, We're really pleased to have uh, joining us on the program once again, Dr. David Bob. Uh, Dr. Bob is the president of the Bill of Rights Institute in uh, Washington, D.C. They teach uh, and have all kinds of, of uh, curriculum. Uh, and uh, Dr. David Bob was uh, one of those uh, great connections I made when I was back in Washington, D.C. This is someone who uh, has a deep uh, commitment to country, uh, to the principles that it was founded on, and to make sure the next generation not only understands those, understands how to live those, and can see the impact uh, of what that really means. And Dr. Bob, it's so great to have you back on the program. And uh, we were just talking about some of the words from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, who talked about this whole idea of uh, make a career of humanity and what that would do for yourself, for the nation, uh, for the world that we live in. And you have some ideas in terms of uh, how we might do that just a little better for our young people. Well, boy, thanks for the opportunity to, to, to join you. And I think that's a, a great question. It, it's, it's really an, an honor and a privilege to be able to work with young people. And as you mentioned, the Bill of Rights Institute exists really to teach civics. Uh, we do that by uh, supporting uh, a, a national community, a, a network of educators uh, that now numbers uh, more than 60,000 strong. Uh, there's about 700 of them in in, in Utah, and uh, to a to a person, those teachers are, are 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 trying to impress upon their students that history, that that civics, is something that's not just remote and abstract, and you know about these lofty ideas, but it's about something that can really grab young people and meet them where them where they're at. And mm. and we've developed a program that, that that we hope helps them in that. It's called My Impact Challenge, and it, it's really kind of a a national science fair for civics. Yeah, I love that. Let's dive into that uh, because I, I think this is a an extraordinary thing, and and I, I love the way you frame that because it's not just uh, trying to uh, to get young people to be able to you know sing the uh, I am a Bill song, uh, you know from way back. When. I think that's like fifty years old now, uh, but uh, but it's really to help them to see that this is just a way to explore extraordinary principles, as you said, meet them where they are, and to show them 
uh, that within civics, there's these principles and you can figure out the principles and the people who have lived them throughout history. And so you've you've now given these young people an opportunity where they are uh, to be part of this, this My Impact Challenge, a, a national civic engagement contest. So give us the, the framework. I know you started this last year. Uh, tell us how that played out and how things are moving forward this year. Well, we're really excited about it because, you know, young people are, are looking to try to, just like we all are, citizens of any age, what holds us together? Uh, what, what, for example, if, if I'm a 16-year-old, you know, can I talk about difficult issues with my friends and, and still maintain a friendship? And we think the best, best way to anchor uh, that effort in civics is by, by repairing to those principles of, uh, of 1776. Uh, they still have as much purchase on us today as back then, because as Frederick Douglass said, there are saving principles. Mm. Uh, that was the message of Martin Luther King Jr., right? That, that when, we, when we go back to those core ideas of America, uh, which he repaired to so beautifully in his letter from Birmingham jail, yeah. uh, those can motivate young people. First, they have to know them, though. Then they can do things around them. And the thing that we're asking them to do is to look at a problem, identify a problem in their local community. Don't try to boil the ocean. Don't try to solve everything all at once. Find something in your local community and then come up with a plan to solve that thing and do it from a perspective of that government should be constitutionally limited. We should unleash the forces of entrepreneurial business acumen and also uh, the philanthropic charitable sector. And so young people learn about those things through a curriculum, devise a plan, and then they don't just put it in their desk and, and say, well, that's great. I'm done. They actually go out and do it. And in the doing, they really learn a lot about what it means to live in civil society together. Uh, it's always in the doing. And that uh, social capital that we find in civil society uh, is really the heart and soul of the, the nation. So so last year, I know you had uh, some amazing submissions. You had some great winners. Uh, give us a, a little sense in terms of some of those uh, efforts, some of those impact challenges and how they've played out. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. You know, for for young people, very often they're... They're, they're trying to come to just a, a recognition as to what will actually work. I was, I was really struck by the third place winner. Uh, his name is Miller Manguno. Uh, he started uh, Operation Orange Haven, and this is in uh, his hometown of Memphis, Tennessee. It's uh, collecting food and supplies for, um, for those who, who uh, are, are underprivileged in, in his community. But what I loved about uh, Miller said, he said, the first thing you have to do is to listen to people that you want to help. 
Mm. And I thought that was really a profound observation for uh, for a, a person under the age of 20. Some yeah. of the other projects that came in with that same idea, uh, one uh, young person uh, helped uh, people in the Los Angeles area with disaster preparedness. Another uh, talked about um, uh, the, the the difficulties of uh, of of our being together when issues are going to pull us apart, especially those of race. And she started a poetry and art contest. Wow. And another uh, made an effort to start a local uh, farmer's market. Each of these in its own way was emblematic of uh, the many entries that we saw. It's a growing contest. We're doing a lot more work. We're, in fact, going to in, in Salt Lake in the spring. Uh, I have an opportunity to do a, a, a civics uh, fair and, and feature some of the great work that young people are doing. But what we came away with is that, uh, encouraging signs that young people want to do um, much more than just uh, uh, be a digital warrior, but actually go into their local communities and make a difference. Yeah, I think that's so true. I think uh, often the young people do get a little bit of a, a short shrift uh, <laughs> when it comes to where they really are. I think in many ways they're more communitarian than their than their parents, for sure. Uh, they do it a little different. Uh, but I think that's an important thing that you're, as you said at the beginning, you're meeting them where they are and creating space for them to realize the, the difference that they can make. Well, I think that's, after all, what, what uh, MLK's example teaches us, right? I mean, Dr. King was was somebody and, and his colleagues that, that he helped motivate uh, where – and look at how many youth were involved in that. They were taught the principles of nonviolence. They were taught – um, these are the principles of our country, and he called us back to those better angels, mm. those the, the the part of America that we had to um, remember uh, and 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 act on. And I think the message that he had resonated with so many young people because he recognized that the power of the rule of law, the power of civil society, can combine to effect real change. And when we give young people an example of this is how you affect real change, and that change is tethered to the founding principles of this country, uh, we can build something really exciting across across the whole of our of our of our land. Yeah, and I think it's so important uh, in terms of what you're doing, and and these are these are serious uh, investments of time and energy and money. That the winning project uh, can receive up to ten thousand dollars. I mean, talk about being able to. Have a great idea and not just, as you said, put it in a drawer and call it good, uh, but to actually go out and implement it and try it and, and uh, figure out what works and what doesn't. Uh, and then just real quickly, Dr. Bob, just in the final 30 seconds here, uh, you, you talked about this whole idea of making sure that uh, you're listening to the people you're trying to serve. Uh, I've seen so many who uh, just try to solve something and they usually end up making it worse. Top-down solutions uh, oftentimes, I would say, almost always don't stick. Uh, we've seen so many examples of that. And, and what's important is that young people uh, become uh, really uh, attuned to the, the ideas that work. And, you know, sometimes they fail in, in trying to execute. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's okay because we oftentimes learn from our failures. But let's not keep repeating the mistakes of, of thinking that we're going to solve everything for people. We have to come alongside them and help them, and I think that's the message of, of Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, fantastic. Dr. David Bob is the president of the Bill of Rights Institute. You should check that out. Uh, it's an amazing organization with a grand mission. Uh, this impact challenge really is the epitome of what I think Dr. Martin Luther King was telling young people that make a career of humanity. It'll make you a better person. It'll make for a greater nation. 
and a finer world to live in. We'll go ahead and step aside for some bottom of the hour news. Much more to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.